Great. So, before I get started with what I feel like God wants me to share with you today, I have to first thank this church, uh, you guys, for giving us, welcoming Bill and I into your church today. Although, I'm not sure we would have came if we'd known Dustin and his wife were Illinois fans. Um, They casually let us know that this morning, so I don't know if they did that on purpose or not. But when, we, when Bill and I in, in Dallas and the other guy he was mentioning were uh, Brad Coaches, when we were trying to figure out what Momentum Ohio would be about, and what we would do, we really didn't have uh, a clear vision of what that would look like. But getting opportunities like this to partner with churches like this and to be around people like you uh, is exactly why we wanted to create Momentum Ohio in the first place. So I have to thank you guys for letting us come. The next thank you is for Andre. Uh, you know, he's been the Connect person over the last couple of years and really hoping that we can kind of continue to partner with you and, as Bill said, uh, be here with the community in the future. So, as I thought about what I wanted to share with you guys today, uh, I wasn't, wasn't quite sure the direction I wanted to go, but uh, it was pretty clear the, the scripture that God continued to put on my heart to share with you, and, and that scripture is 2 Samuel 10, 9 to 12. And I think this scripture continually came into my mind because it's, it's a group of four verses that God's continued to use in my life for the last five years. And to be exact, he's been using it since April 4th, 2015. And I know that exact date because I wrote it here in the margins of my Bible the first time I read it and it really struck me. And it was April 4th, 2015 that I was in the the conference semifinals of the Developmental League, which, which he called the D-League. So we're in the conference finals. We're hoping to advance to the finals, obviously. And I had gotten the habit of reading the Bible before games. And I just happened to be in 2 Samuel that day. And this, uh, this is what I read. So 2 Samuel 10, 9 to 12. It says, When Joab saw that the battle was set against him both in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians. The rest of his men he put in charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. And for whatever reason that day, it really struck me, uh, and I know it struck me because these four verses became the template for my prayer before every game since that day. So I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen, but when I play, I have this habit of kind of bending down and, and praying right before tip-off, right on the floor, right before the game starts. And for the last five years, this, these four verses are what I've prayed. So, and I think it hit me so hard because I think God reveals some key aspects of having a heart of a champion, which goes along with cross sports and their message this year of heart of a champion. So these are the four points that I'm hoping to share with you today that have impacted my life and and hopefully they can impact yours. These four points that I've seen in these verses were awareness, humility, courage, and surrender. And I know some of those sound a little strange uh, when you think about going into a basketball game, but let's see if I can help kind of explain how God's explained this to me over the years. So the first, the first point that, that I see and that I hope that you see is uh, awareness. You need to have awareness to have a heart of a champion. And we see this in verse 9 where he says, 
when Joab saw that the battle was set against him, both in front and in the rear. So Joab's a, he's an army man. He's a leader. He knows exactly. He's been in many battles. But he doesn't just blindly run into this battle and think everything's going to be okay. He knows it's important to assess the situation, who they're facing, and what exactly is going on. And it's, it's a good thing because this battle is a little different than the ones he's fought in the past because he's got people he's got to defend and fight in front of him, and he has people behind him. So his typical way of fighting a battle wouldn't really work in this scenario. He had to adjust. He had to make a new game plan. So I know us, we probably won't find ourselves in a battle uh, like this type of situation, but I also think it's very important to, to apply this awareness principle because um, it's important for us to take a moment and really see the opportunity that is before us. How might this game or event or situation be different than things I've faced in the past? Do I need to change or adapt at all? And in basketball especially, strategy and game planning is a huge factor and has, is a huge factor and has a, a big uh, impact on the, impact, uh, in the final uh, of a game. But let's say you have awareness, everything looks great, you don't really have to change your strategy. Having awareness is still important because it opens the opportunity for gratitude uh, to take root in our hearts. And I hope, at the very least, that this pandemic has taught all of us that we never know how or when something can be, ta- can be taken away. <laughs> I came into last season knowing it was going to be my last playing basketball, and I anticipated my last game at least being in May, but I had no idea that my last basketball game playing uh, professionally was going to be in March because a pandemic was going to shut everything down. So I hope that as, as a whole, at the very least, this pandemic has taught us that anything can be taken away at any moment. So we need to carve out moments to appreciate the opportunity and, and make sure we're centered at a point where we can move forward with gratitude and joy. So that's my first point, awareness, uh, pretty straightforward. The next point that I see that God, God kind of shows me is humility. And we see this in verse 10 and 11. It says, The rest of the men he put into charge of Abishai's brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you should help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. So pride on this battlefield with Joab would have got them in some very serious trouble, right? This was definitely not the time for Joab to prove how strong he was, how valiant he was, how tough he could be, because it just wouldn't have worked. Joab does the right thing by quickly realizing that he cannot handle this situation on his own. He cannot lead this army on his own. He needs help, and he appoints his brother to help him in that regard. But Joab doesn't just stop there. He also realizes that struggle is a real possibility for for others, but also for himself. So he offers his help and humbly accepts the help in return if he needs it. And I think a lot of us, myself for sure included, really struggle to ask for and accept help. And I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself. I don't want to ask for help because I want to see and show people and do things on my own. I want to show people what I'm capable of, and ultimately, in the end, I want all the credit. If I don't ask for help, and I can do it all on my own, I want all the credit. And if I'm on my own, I don't have to be vulnerable. I don't have to expose my weaknesses and my failures to other people, and I don't have other people counting on me that I can risk letting down and disappointing if if I happen to fail. So being alone just seems like the safer option. But I don't think it really is safer. It only seems safer, right? 
because inevitably a day comes when you struggle or you need help or you're just not having a good day. So having teammates around that are, that are there that care about you and are willing to pick you up, encourage you, and put you back on the right track, that sounds pretty good in, in that scenario. And yes, my weaknesses and my vulnerabilities are exposed. But good, great teammates, they don't exploit those weaknesses. They're there to challenge you and encourage you to help you improve and make those weaknesses stronger. So in reality, if you have a solo type mindset, it really keeps teams, players, and I know myself included, it keeps me from my highest potential and subtracts from some of the deepest joys and memories possible, uh, only possible within a team. And to help illustrate this point, I want to use Dallas Lauderdale as an example. So if you guys don't know who he is, he was a senior when I came in as a freshman at Ohio State. And as a sophomore and junior, Dallas started it on the team, and he increasingly saw his minutes go up. And as a senior, you expect that trend to continue. Uh, and, and Dallas, in one respect, that happened. He started again as a senior. But his minutes actually went down. He played much less than he had the year, two years before. And while he was playing less, these two chubby, inexperienced freshmen, myself and Jared, were playing close to 30 minutes a game. So... Dallas had, a, Dallas had a, a very serious decision to make how he was going to handle this season. He could have very easily been angry and frustrated and separated himself from the group and, didn't, and, and not want to participate. Or he could have humbly accepted the game plan that Coach Mott had put in place and saw that it, this is going to give us the best chance to win. And I can't specifically speak for Dallas and how he felt internally, but I know from my perspective, from the outside looking at him, he handled this entire situation with grace and humility. He remained engaged, enthusiastic. He competed at a high level when he could. And he specifically is one of the reasons why that year was so much fun and one of the years that we frequently talk about and have the most fond memories of because he's the jokester, the guy that makes fun of people. And that was who he was. He didn't allow the situation to define and, and take away. So part of, having a heart of a, part of having the heart of a champion is, is humility also. And that moves me to my next point, uh, which is courage. I think it's important that we have courage. Um, verse 12 says, Be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. So I've never been in a combat situation, uh, but I, I know that in order to go into any battle, you need some courage. You need to be brave and, and head, on, head into things with, with a lot of courage. And I can only imagine the thoughts of these soldiers as they're heading into this battle with people in front and, and the people behind and, you know, the ratio and the, the percentages aren't looking great for them. So it's obvious and it makes sense that Joab's call for courage really kind of fits the situation. But what I think is very interesting in this scenario is the reason why he calls them to have courage. He says, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. So how does this really apply to me and my, my sports perspective that I, I have going right here? Um, it's good you asked because I'm going to tell you. So without question, I hope you know that it takes courage to play a sport. It takes courage to step out on the floor every night that you play uh, any, any sport. You physically risk injury, mentally you risk defeat, and emotionally you risk failure and embarrassment. So it takes courage to step on the floor and play, play any sport. Uh, for me, that was basketball. You open yourself up to scrutiny 
uh, especially in our day and age of, of social media and, and highlights and videos. Everything is magnified as you continue to have success and advance on in your career. Everyone's ready and willing to give their opinion. Opponents, parents, teammates, social media, they're all ready and honestly probably kind of hoping that you mess up so that uh, they can bring you down. So it takes courage to step out there every night and to play a game when you know all these people are watching. But if we aren't careful, that fear easily becomes the dominant driving force of, of how we play. And I know especially for me, when I play in fear, it makes me play at my worst. I'm not playing loose. I'm not playing free. So courage is essential for us in and of itself to step on a court and play. But if we want to revisit the why I mentioned earlier, I think this is an important point to, to remember also. What is my motivation to ask for courage to play, to step out on the floor? And I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I, I'll be vulnerable to you. You know, I think if I'm honest with myself, way more often than I like to hope um, and admit, I want to I ask for courage to play because I, I want to look good. I want people talking about me after the game, right? And I want to have courage to play well because that, that further improves my status and, the, and career opportunities for myself. So all this courage is really about me. It's about turning it inward. Uh, and and I, if we look, that's just not what Joab asked for. Joab doesn't say, let us be courageous for we will be remembered in history in all for all time. Or he doesn't say, let us be courageous for King David will greatly reward us when we get back. It's just not what he says. He says, let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. I think it's amazingly interesting because Joab is calling his people to remember that they're part of a bigger story than anyone standing there. He calls his men to remember the people back home that are counting on them and hoping in them. And he wants his men to remember and place themselves in this bigger story. So how does that translate to, to us on a basketball floor, in a sporting event, or in life in general? We're part of a bigger story whether we realize it or not. And I have a few examples to hopefully see how easy it is to, to see the other people that, that I am able to, able to compete for, that I am able to live for. So the first and hopefully most obvious is our other teammates. You know, the ones that we're practicing with day after day and we do drill after drill after drill, the ones that we complain to coaches about and, you know, because <laughs> it happens. Sorry, coaches. Um, you know, the ones that we sweat together with and honestly, the ones that are counting on us to do our job to help our team be successful. So we have our teammates that we can play for. Next, we have our coaches. I'll show you some love, coaches. I know, coaches put in so much time, effort that you don't see only to prepare you and ultimately give you the opportunity to be the best that you can be. So we can play for our teammates. We can play for our coaches. What about our families? The ones that love and care about us, no matter what the outcome is. And this became especially real to me as I uh, became married and started traveling across the world with my wife. It was really hard for me to... There was a lot of practice... There was a lot of traveling. There was a lot of staying away for sometimes days at a time while my wife, Amber, is stuck in a foreign country where she doesn't speak the language and she's, she's alone. So it became very evident to me that I needed to 
ask for courage to play boldly and confidently to honor her and the sacrifices she was making that gave me the opportunity to do something that I love. So we have our teammates, our coaches, our families, and arguably most important, uh, we can play for, for our God. You know, our Heavenly Father that smiles at us no matter the outcome before any point is ever scored. The God that gave us the ability in the first place and continues to give us an opportunity to step out on the floor. So we need courage to play the game, but we also need courage to forget about ourselves and remember the bigger story happening around us. And that brings me to my last point, uh, is surrender. And man, I know that sounds real, real, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit into a basketball competition mindset. Why would I pray for surrender going into a basketball game? But hopefully I can try to make you see uh, why I think this is so important. So we see this at the end of verse 12. He says, that the, and may the Lord do what seems good to him. Sounds like a terrible pump-up speech, right? And, you know, if you think of movies like Miracle and uh, Coach Carter and, and things like that, like th- that's not what those coaches are saying. Those coaches are pumping you up, getting you ready to go. But I would argue that this, this little end of verse 12 is the most powerful thing that we can pray and say leading into a competition because it's really, it's about asking God to help us let go. It's about letting go of the weight of anxiety and fear and worrying about the outcome. It's unloading the pressure of thinking that everything rests on my shoulders. And letting the Lord do what seems good to him may sound really passive and just an easy out if things go poorly. But I hope you see that this this statement goes far beyond just avoiding culpability at the end. And I think this is such a powerful statement because our greatest opponent is not a rival school. It's not being unnoticed. It's not losing and facing failure. Our greatest opponent is our sin. And our greatest opponent is our sin because it keeps us from relationship with God. Sin is our greatest foe because until a bond with God can be established, every other facet of our lives has no solid foundation. We can try to use things, and I know I have, we can try to use things like basketball, success, popularity, followers, to hold us together, to really build our life on. But eventually all of those things will fail us. We have a God-shaped void within us, and no amount of basketball points, victories, or championships can ever fill that void. We have a huge problem, but fortunately, God felt moved to do something about it. In 1 John 4, 14, he says, God sent his son to be the savior of the world. So God didn't just sit back, kind of see us struggle, and wonder if we would figure it out on our own. He felt moved to act and send his son as the savior for all of us. And in Ephesians 2, 4 to 5, he says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So it's out of just incredible, unfathomable love that God chose to offer us new life in his son, Jesus. He did all of this knowing that we had nothing, absolutely nothing to give or offer him in return. And then as we continue in Romans 8.32, God says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
So it's important to know in the Ephesians verse, that great love with which he loved us included him sacrificing his son. A massive hurdle that I realize is even magnified more now that I have a son of my own. The idea of giving up my son for people that don't care or can't do anything for me is, is amazing to me. But God chose to sacrifice his son for us. So why would, we, why would he then hold anything good back from us now? Anything that's truly good for us. So because of these things and because God's proven and sure love, we can rest knowing that our deepest need and our greatest opponent is defeated for good. Our sin is taken care of if we have faith in Jesus Christ. And God's love, this, this relationship with God through Jesus, is the reason why verse 12 becomes such a precious weapon. Because in Romans 8, 28, he says, For those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So God promises for all of those in his family that nothing happens to us to our detriment. All things happen to us for our good. That's all things. All things. That includes lost games, poor performances, seasons missed, injuries. All of those things are working something together for our good. And I'm not sitting up here telling you that this mindset comes easy and I have it figured out and it's natural once you become a believer. But just because it's difficult and hard does not mean that it's not true. So there are a lot of things that I'm still scratching my head about, wondering, you know, what the purpose was and, you know, what that looks like. But there are, there's one thing that I do know and that I'm confident in, and that's that God loves me more than I know and that he's always going to be on my side. So to, to quickly give you an example of kind of God's plan versus my plan, Bill alluded to it earlier. Um, my vision when I left Ohio State seemed pretty simple to me. It was get drafted in the NBA, go to a training camp, make an NBA roster, and like life would be great. You know, that's how life should go. If you guys know anything, none of that happened for, for me. Uh, I did not get drafted. I stayed up late, saw the very last pick, and it was not me. I went to, train, or went to summer league and didn't play the first time I went. And then I went to training camp, did go to training camp, so I got that. Um, but I got cut at the end, so I find myself in the D League. No chance of an NBA roster, just kind of wallowing in my sorrows. You fast forward a year, I have no training camp offers, which means no chance at an NBA roster that year. But instead, I'm flying to Hungary. I'm excited because it's a new experience, new, you know, something great to do with my wife, and let's go, let's go attack this. But my excitement quickly turns to doubt when I find out my coach speaks no English. Phew. Uh, nor did much of the town. So, and I wasn't playing very much. We were losing some games. Not to mention we found a bat in our apartment complex one day. So hungry just wasn't, like, wasn't the vibe I was hoping for, right? So I end up leaving that team in December. I head back to the D-League. But I don't leave before I, I end up meeting Bill who I'm, I hope you see I'm still pretty close to today. So when you're moving your family, you know, my wife and I, we're moving across the country or the world, you use any connection you can to figure out, you know, what, uh, like, who am I going to know that's going to be familiar to me? So somehow through a random connection, we get, we find a way to, to reach out to Bill. And he and his family graciously host us and kind of show us life over here really isn't that bad. Uh, we're here for you. We support you. And we've been close ever since. So 
I can't tell you why my NBA dreams didn't come a reality back way back then, but if they had, it's very unlikely that I'd be standing here before you today and Momentum Ohio would exist. So it's clear in that moment how God's plan for my life was, was different, but ultimately better than what I had planned. Um, and just to, just to be clear, I want to belabor a little point here and make something very explicit. This idea of surrender goes far beyond my basketball career, my, this idea of going into a game with this idea of surrender. Um, the freedom offered by God through Jesus allows me and us to unload, unload countless amounts of thoughts and worries that weigh us down. And I, these are some of the questions that I often find myself. What will others think? How do I compare to him or her? Did somebody, make, did somebody see that good deed I just did? And how will I come back from this failure? I know that the most important opinion about me will forever say you are loved and accepted. So I rest and hope and pray in the words, may the Lord do what seems good to him, because it allows me to seek a life worth living and lived exactly how we were meant to live, by loving God and loving others. So before I finish up, I just want to make sure I, I take a moment to speak to those of you out there that may have never heard of God or Jesus in a relationship in this way, or maybe those of you that a relationship with God through Jesus sounds like something that you'd really want to pursue. So my, my encouragement would be, one, pray to God, and two, talk to someone about it. So, man, God's ready to listen. God wants to have a relationship with you, and he welcomes anyone that comes to him. So I encourage you to go to him. And then speaking to someone else, Bill and I, man, we would love to, to have this conversation. And I know there are people here at this church like Andre that would that'd be willing to do the same. So just talk to someone. Go to God. He'll, he'll welcome you in. There you have it. My secret, my secret sauce of prayer before every game <laughs> since 2015. Awareness, humility, courage, and surrender. So I hope it's clear that these truths extend far beyond the basketball world and has significance in everyday life, and I continue to use them today as a, as a medical student. I hope you see beauty in these truths, that God loves you, sacrificed his son on, for you, and now promises to work all things together for your good. I hope you see uh, that believing this allows us to approach sports and life liberated from anxiety and fear, and it gives us the ability to focus on really enjoying the moment, being thankful for the opportunity in front of us, and living life with courage for those around us. I would like to, to end in prayer, and uh, thank you guys so much. So, yeah. uh, Heavenly Father, we, we are unworthy of your love, yet uh, we are so thankful for it. We thank you for the sacrifice of your Son on our behalf, and uh, we thank you for always being there with us. We pray that you would give us eyes to see the, the opportunities that are, that are before us uh, and may us not take those for granted. We pray for humility to think of others above ourselves and for the courage to, to get outside of our, our own hearts and our own way that may we think of you first and think of others. We pray that you would ultimately help us to surrender our lives to you and trust that you are working all things together for our good. We thank you and uh, we love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah.